Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, October 31st, 2023. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, all the headlines from last night's Apple event, including interesting details about the new M3 chips. One year on from Elon purchasing it, what is X worth now? Is NVIDIA going to have to cancel all those chip orders from China? And are people crying chicken little about the threat of AI in order to do some old-fashioned regulatory capture? Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. The unusually timed Apple event was last night, and there were basically four big announcements. As I said to Alex Kantrowitz on the bonus episode, it was mostly about the new M3 chips, but because of those, that allowed for the announcement of a new 24-inch iMac, new MacBook Pros, and an entry-level MacBook Pro that finally sends the touch bar to the great design cul-de-sac in the sky. Quoting The Verge, As expected, Apple's M3 chips took the spotlight during this month's event. The new lineup includes the M3, M3 Pro, and M3 Max chips, which Apple says mark the, quote, first personal computer chips made using the more efficient 3-nanometer process. In addition to offering a faster and more efficient CPU, the trio of chips comes with an updated GPU that supports ray tracing, mesh shading, and dynamic caching, a feature that optimizes the amount of memory the device uses during tasks. Apple's M3 chips offer up to 128 gigabytes of unified memory, with the most powerful M3 Max chip coming up with 92 billion transistors, a 40-core GPU, and a 16-core CPU. The new 24-inch iMac is getting an M3-flavored upgrade that Apple says offers two times faster performance than its M1-equipped predecessor. Along with the new chip, the refreshed iMac features a 4.5K Retina display with more than 1 billion colors, support for Wi-Fi 6E, and a 1080p webcam. The iMac also offers up to 24 gigabytes of unified memory and comes in seven colors, green, yellow, orange, pink, purple, blue, and silver. There are also color-matched accessories that come with the iMac, but they still feature lightning connectors. The 24-inch iMac costs $1,299 with an 8-core CPU or $1,499 with a 10-core chip. You can pre-order it starting today with availability starting on November 7th. The iMac isn't the only device getting an M3-powered upgrade. Apple also announced a new pair of 14- and 16-inch MacBook Pro models that come with either the M3 Pro chip or the higher-end M3 Max. Both laptops feature a mini-LED display, a 1080p camera, a six-speaker surround system, 22 hours of battery life, and up to 128 gigabytes of RAM. They're also available in a space black finish with a new coating that's supposed to help reduce fingerprints, as well as a silver option. While the 14-inch MacBook Pro with an M3 Pro chip starts at $1,999, the 16-inch M3 Pro model starts at $2,499. These MacBook Pro models are available to pre-order today and will become available on November 7th. Alongside the M3 Pro and M3 Max-equipped MacBook Pro models, Apple is releasing a cheaper 14-inch MacBook Pro that comes with the base M3 chip and starts at $1,599. The device replaces the 13-inch MacBook Pro with an M2 chip that Apple released last year and offers performance that's up to 60% faster. The touch bar model is being discontinued, which means it's all physical keys from here out. There are some drawbacks to this entry-level model, though. It features a meager 8 gigabytes of RAM and comes in just silver and space gray variations. The black color is exclusive to the higher-end MacBook Pros. The device is available to pre-order today and officially launches on November 7th, end quote. More on those M3 chips. As Apple says, they're the first 3-nanometer chips in consumer computers, the first for Apple. They have a dynamically caching GPU, 
15% faster performance cores over the M2 and 30% faster efficiency cores than the M1. And that's interesting. As Mac Rumors points out, Apple repeatedly compared the M3 to the M1 and not the M2 chip. Quote, Based on the latest 3 nanometer technology and featuring all new GPU architecture, the M3 series of chips is said to represent the fastest and most power-efficient evolution of Apple Silicon thus far. For example, the 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pro with M3 Pro chip is up to 40% faster than the 16-inch model with M1 Pro, according to Apple. However, according to Apple's own hardware specifications, the M3 Pro system on a chip features 150 GBS memory bandwidth compared to 200 GBS on the earlier M1 Pro and M2 Pro. As for M3 Max, Apple says it's capable of, quote, up to 400 GBS, which is because the scaled-down M3 Max with 14-core CPU and 30-core GPU has only 300 GBS of memory bandwidth, whereas the equivalent scaled-down M2 Max with 12-core CPU and 30-core GPU featured 400 GBS bandwidth, just like its more powerful 12-core CPU, 38-core GPU iteration. Notably, Apple has also changed the core ratios of the higher-tier M3 Pro chip compared to its direct predecessor. The M3 Pro with 12-core CPU has 6 performance cores versus 8 performance cores on the 12-core M2 Pro, and 6 efficiency cores versus 4 efficiency cores on the 12-core M2 Pro, while the GPU has 18 cores versus 19 on the equivalent M2 Pro chip. Additionally, while the M3 chip's 16-core neural engine has the same number of cores as the one Apple featured in the 3-nanometer-based A17 Pro chip that debuted in the iPhone 15 Pro series in September, it's comparatively weaker on paper in terms of maximum achievable throughput, which is measured in trillions of operations per second, or TOPS. According to Apple, the M3 neural engine is capable of 18 TOPS, whereas the A17 Pro neural engine is capable of 35 TOPS. It's hard to say for certain, but it is possible that the iPhone 15 Pro requires a higher-performing neural engine for features like computational photography and Face ID, whereas the M3 can compensate in other areas like machine learning by utilizing its additional GPU cores. Taken together, it's presently unclear what real-world difference these changes make to M3 performance when pitted against Apple's equivalent precursor chips in various usage scenarios, especially given that the latest processors include the new dynamic caching memory allocation technology, which ensures that only the exact amount of memory needed is used for each task. This opaqueness is not helped by the fact that Apple advertises the power of the new M3 Pro and M3 Max chips by emphasizing comparisons to the M1 Pro and M1 Max rather than the more recent M2 variants, against which performance gains appear more modest. Hopefully, we will learn more in time when the first thoroughgoing third-party benchmarks become available." End quote. Quoting Vadim Yuryev on Twitter, Fun fact, because Apple removed two P cores on the M3 Pro chip and gave it two more E cores, it's not much faster than the M2 Pro chip. M2 Pro was 16% faster than M1 Pro, Apple says. M3 Pro is 20% faster than M1 Pro. Pretty sad, lol. End quote. And quoting the Ginger Bill on Twitter, it looks like the M3 Pro is actually a downgrade from the M2 Pro in many ways for certain workloads. Why would you reduce the number of performance cores and memory bandwidth when it's called the Pro variant, end quote? Sources say U.S. rules may compel NVIDIA to cancel those more than $5 billion worth of chip orders from China that we told you about recently. Quoting the journal, 
The U.S. government told NVIDIA in a letter last week that the new export controls on the sale of high-end chips to countries including China were instead effective immediately. China's biggest AI and cloud computing companies, including Alibaba, TikTok owner ByteDance, and Baidu, had made large orders for delivery next year, the people said. Orders from major Chinese companies for 2024 exceeded $5 billion, one of the people said. A spokesman for NVIDIA said the company has been working to allocate its advanced AI computing systems, which use graphics chips affected by the rules, to customers in the U.S. and elsewhere, and is pursuing additional supply. These new export controls will not have a meaningful impact in the near term, the spokesperson said, end quote. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot, literally cannot live or at least work without it. 1Password. 1Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. 1Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using 1Password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the 1Password bandwagon. Because right now, my listeners get Get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. Onepassword.com slash ride. Real talk. 52% of men over 40 experience some form of ED between the ages of 40 and 70. But it's always been a taboo topic. Thankfully, Hims is changing that by providing affordable access to ED treatment all online. Hims provides access to clinically proven generic alternatives to Viagra and Cialis, up to 95% cheaper with options as low as $2 per dose. The process is simple and 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor's visits. Answer a series of questions on their site and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No insurance needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash ride. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash ride for your personalized ED treatment options. Hims.com slash ride. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. According to a source, X is giving employees restricted stock units at a $45 per share price, which would imply that, well, what used to be known as Twitter is worth less than half of what it was a year ago. Quoting the New York Times, X, the company formerly known as Twitter, handed out stock grants to employees on Monday that showed it was worth about $19 billion, down about 55% from the $44 billion that Elon Musk paid to buy the firm a year ago, according to internal documents seen by the New York Times. Mr. Musk paid $54.20 a share to buy Twitter just over a year ago. 
The tech billionaire has since said he overpaid for the social network. In March, he wrote an email to workers that he believed the company was worth $20 billion, calling it an inverse startup. In the paperwork for the new stock grants, X said the equity would be offered at $45 a share in the form of restricted stock units, which employees can earn over time. Employees will still be paid in cash in the amount of $54.20 per share for any outstanding shares that were granted to them under previous management, the company said. It's unclear why the share price has not dropped by the same percentage as the company's valuation, though X could have altered the amount of shares outstanding. Fortune earlier reported on the valuation, end quote. A U.S. judge has dismissed AI copyright infringement claims against Midjourney and DeviantArt by three artists, but at the same time allowed a claim against Stability AI to proceed, quoting The Hollywood Reporter. Notably, a claim for direct infringement against Stability AI was allowed to proceed based on allegations the company used copyrighted images without permission to create stable diffusion. Stability has denied the contention that it stored and incorporated those images into its AI system. It maintains that training its model does not include wholesale copying of works, but rather involves development of parameters like lines, colors, shades, and other attributes associated with subjects and concepts from those works that collectively define what things look like. The issue, which may decide the case, remains contested. The litigation revolves around Stability's Stable Diffusion, which is incorporated into the company's AI image generator Dream Studio. In this case, the artists will have to establish that their works were used to train the AI system. It's alleged that DeviantArt's DreamUp and MidJourney are powered by Stable Diffusion. A major hurdle artists face is that training datasets are largely a black box. In his dismissal of infringement claims, the judge wrote that the plaintiff's theory is unclear as to whether there are copies of training images stored in Stable Diffusion that are utilized by DeviantArt and MidJourney. He pointed to the defense's arguments that it's impossible for billions of images, quote, to be compressed into an active program like Stable Diffusion. The judge questioned whether MidJourney and DeviantArt, which offers use of Stable Diffusion through their own apps and websites, can be liable for direct infringement if the AI system, quote, contains only algorithms and instructions that can be applied to the creation of images that include only a few elements of a copyrighted work. The judge stressed the absence of allegations of the companies playing an affirmative role in the alleged infringement. Quote, plaintiffs need to clarify their theory against MidJourney. Is it based on MidJourney's use of stable diffusion, on MidJourney's own independent use of training images to train the MidJourney product, or both? End quote. Finally today, bringing another trend to your attention. I think I mentioned that at that AI conference earlier this month, the term du jour was open source. Everyone was talking about how they were embracing open source to bring new versions of AI to the fore. So let me unpack this. Let's imagine a scenario where the biggest AI models will always win because they're the biggest, have the most data, are the best trained, are just always the best, the most accurate, or whatever. In that scenario... This is already a done deal. The companies owning the biggest models will win this space. But what you have to think about is they're not sharing the secret sauce of these models, the biggest players like OpenAI. And because of that, maybe nobody can challenge their supremacy without huge costs because they can't reverse engineer the secret sauce. Thus, the move towards open sourcing everything in order for a thousand flowers, if you will, to bloom. So what I'm saying is some folks are worried that there are already incumbents here in this nascent AI space. OpenAI, Anthropic, a couple others. 
this thing could already be an oligopoly before it even really got started. That's one of the reasons why Meta is open sourcing their models. If they're already behind in a field that is rapidly being captured by incumbents, open sourcing models would allow them a wedge to stay competitive. And as I said to some of the founders and engineers I spoke to at the conference, that's also why the VC class is pushing the open source narrative. VCs need a whole ecosystem of startups to rise up and bloom for this to be an investable space. If this new space is already closed off by the first movers, it's dead, at least for investors. Now, there's another angle, and that is, well, if you open source the models, if anyone can spin up their own AI, then some people fear chaos. Everything from terrorists to misinformation merchants to hackers having access to some pretty powerful new tools. Thus, the push to regulate the models, as we discussed yesterday, with that slew of regulatory announcements. But the angle to that angle is this. Have you noticed that some of the people shouting the loudest for regulation are the so-called incumbents, the open AIs of this world, being like, please regulate this space, please regulate us? Well, some folks are worried that this is just another way the newly minted incumbents are trying to pull the drawbridge up on their newly minted moat. This stuff is so dangerous, governments, you can't trust anybody but us with it. That would shut down any sort of disruption from below. The term for this is called regulatory capture. Now, obviously, I'm an investor in the space, so you should take everything I just laid out with a grain of salt or three, but I am trying to do what I always do on the show and present the contours of what is really happening in the Valley as I see it. So, this is all leading up to the news that Andrew Eng, who taught Sam Altman at Stanford and co-founded Google Brain, said that big tech is, in his words, lying about AI extinction to trigger heavier regulation of rivals. Quoting Insider, Google Brain was a deep learning AI research team that merged with the DeepMind division earlier this year. Andrew Eng, an adjunct professor at Stanford University who taught OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, told the Australian Financial Review that the biggest tech companies hope to trigger strict regulation with the, quote, bad idea that AI could make us go extinct. There are definitely large tech companies that would rather not have to try to compete with open source, so they're creating fear of AI leading to human extinction, he told the news outlet. It's been a weapon for lobbyists to argue for legislation that would be very damaging to the open source community, end quote. Governments around the world are looking to regulate AI, citing concerns over safety, potential job losses, and even the risk of human extinction. The European Union will likely be the first region to enforce oversight or regulation around generative AI. Eng said that the idea AI could wipe out humanity could lead to policy proposals that require licensing of AI, which risks crushing innovation. Any necessary AI regulation should be created thoughtfully, he added, end quote. This has led to a great deal of back and forth online in the AI community, but again, I present it to you in an attempt to give you a sense of all sides of this evolving debate. Quick request, I know that I have lots of people who work at Apple that listen to this show, but are there any folks listening right now that work at Apple Podcasts itself? If so, can you get in touch with me at brian at techmeme.com? I have a question for you. Thanks in advance. Talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>